And good afternoon. It's uh, Sir Truck Driver here with a, another edition of Shifting Gears. We're going to be uh, talking about a few stories today and uh, doing a, having a little bit of a conversation about uh, where I've been and uh, some of the other things like I did on the last show. A little bit about my keto and such and... Uh, Got some stories about uh, some biological stuff. Uh, I call the story Cyborg Nanites, which is actually something a little bit different, but uh, that's the easiest way to describe it. And then I got a little piece on uh, $140,000 mini homes. <laughs> that should be interesting. So we're going to get right into this show here. Um, oh, by the way, the uh, intro music that you're here, uh, that you're hearing is... Uh, by Sam Means. It's a song called Savannah, and it's on his album, The Sinking of the Santa Maria. Oh, hold on a second. The Sinking of the Santa Isabel. It's an original motion picture soundtrack, and that uh, is found over at uh, LN Beats. And I pulled the uh, copy off of uh, podcastindex.org. So. Uh, it is uh, pod safe to use the old fashioned term, but uh, we'll not say that anymore. It is value for value music. So if you enjoy it, just, you know, go to my site and uh, I oh uh, yeah, by the way, I am uh, podcasting 2.0 compliant uh, finally, uh, but I'll, uh, I'll go into that a little bit later here. So Anyway, uh, like I said, I am Sir Truck Driver, and uh, I am currently at the home location, and I have been uh, out for the last uh, 24 or 25 days here, and uh, since my last uh, entry into uh, uh, shifting gears, and uh, I've had a little bit of things going on, and uh, been kind of busy uh, just driving around and having a little bit of fun here and there, so... Been, uh, let's see, I started out, uh, where have I been to? I've uh, been to, uh, started out in Dallas, of course, and uh, they ran me straight up to the uh, northwest. I had a couple of st- a couple of deliveries up in um, just outside of, oh, where the heck was it? Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, right outside of Portland, and then I finaled out up in... Uh, a little place called Centralia, Washington. And I had a load of uh, dairy products there for those fine folks, a lot of yogurt and cheese and stuff. And uh, then from there, we went uh, and picked up over in... Uh, I did not bring my paperwork here. <laughs> uh, anyway, I I did uh, I did quite a bit of rolling around there. I uh, had a stop in... Um, uh, Washington, a couple of stops in Washington State, and uh, did a uh, coast-to-coast run uh, for this last uh, little uh, leg here, going to uh, uh, to get me my uh, trip home. I started out in uh, Othello, Washington, and uh, drove all the way over to, uh, let's see, where was it? Uh, Maryland. I know it was in Maryland. I really got to keep my paperwork here in front of me, but... Uh, Anyway, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. No, it wasn't Maryland. It was uh, Monroe Township, New Jersey. What am I thinking, Maryland? <laughs> oh, I know. I, after that, I picked up in uh, Monroe Township, uh, uh, or yeah, picked up Monroe Township, Maryland. 
and drove over to, uh, or no, I delivered my next load in Monroe Township and then drove over into Virginia and picked up a load uh, going back to uh, Texas, and that's where I am now. So, but it's been a kind of a kind of a long trip there, or a long four weeks there, or three and a half weeks. They uh, ha- uh, had me hanging out on the road there a couple of different times, and I'm not really happy about that. Uh, one of uh, truck drivers, uh, you know, keeping busy, he's working seven days a, a week, and uh, for the first week and the second week, I got uh, two full, complete day and a half uh, breaks what they call a 34-hour break, and uh, it's nice because it resets my logbook, but it does absolutely nothing for the paycheck, so I'm not really happy about that. But that 20, uh, 2,800 miles or 3,000 miles going back to New Jersey, that's uh, that's going to help. And then uh, now I'm already planning. I've only been home a day, and I'm going to be home for five days, and they've already got me <laughs> planned on a load going back up to Virginia, so... <laughs> No rest for the wicked, but uh, so. But it's uh, that's the life of a truck driver, I guess. You know, always got to go, always got to go, keep going, got to keep them wheels rolling. Them wheels ain't rolling, you ain't making no money. So, but uh, like I said, we are home, and we are. In fact, I am currently testing out a new podcasting rig that I am planning on taking out into the truck with me. Um, I purchased a. Uh, roadcaster duo which is the smaller version of the uh, uh roadcaster pro uh the pro 2 rather and uh it's much a smaller form factor it pretty much works the same um i've been tinkering around with here with it for the last uh couple of hours and getting it all set up and getting the software and and all the uh, filtering and the sound design and everything all set up on it I think I have a little bit too much reverb on here. You can kind of hear an echo on there, but uh, I'll take care of that the next time around there. So, but uh, yeah, I am home and uh, been uh, following, uh, trying to follow my uh, keto diet. Um, and uh, I, as I mentioned in the last uh, uh, last episode here, um, I did do. I am doing a little bit of, uh, or trying uh, the keto again. I tried it one time uh, a couple of years ago, back in uh, more than a couple, uh, 2015, 2016, somewhere in that area. Now I lost a pile of weight, and um, so I've been uh, for this uh, 24-day tour. Uh, I put myself back on the scale this morning or this afternoon, uh, or no, this morning. And uh, I am at uh, 362, where I think last week, or yeah, last time home, I was uh, 370-something, 371, 372. I didn't uh, write it all the way down there. I got to start keeping that stuff tracked in a lo- in a, uh, in a notebook there. But uh, So I, I think I lost somewhere around 10 pounds, and, uh, which makes me happy. I'm, I'm kind of happy about that, so... Not super thrilled, but I mean, it's for 24 days. It's that's not bad. I think the majority of that right now is uh, is water weight, and um, I don't know what what'll happen when I actually uh, start getting into that uh, uh, glucose deficit and um, or not glucose, not glucose, but a carb a carbohydrate deficit. And then once uh, once that happens, it'll uh, start working uh, uh, quite a bit easier because I'll be using or my body will be using. Um, uh, oh goodness gracious! 
hang on a second. I have got something going on here. We'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> We're back. I had uh, something going on in the other room there. It was, uh, I don't know exactly what it was going on there, but something, uh, something was scratching at my door outside there. So I think it was just a, some sort of animal or something. I don't know, but I don't think it was breaking the sound gate on this. So I don't think you guys heard it, but it was kind of scratching and I could hear it. But, uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, we're, uh, like I said, we're doing the, uh, the, the keto thing and it, it's working on all right. So, but, uh, we're going to move on to a couple of stories here. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? Where did my, there we go. Uh, we're going to start off with a, uh, piece here on let's see where is it here no there it is cyborg nanites this is on uh, nature.com and uh, I don't know whether this is a bunch of BS or not but I figure it's an interesting story I mean if there's any kind of even remote truth to it I think it could be a game changer but this uh, story is uh, tiny robots made from human cells healed uh, damaged tissue. Um, what the context of the story is, uh, they somehow mechanized some uh, human cells and applied it to some other damaged human cells, and supposedly they replaced them or healed them or something. But I'm, I'm going to read this uh, up here. Uh, so the scientists, this is at, uh, at nature.com, uh, by the way. I'll have a link in the, in the website um, over at uh, shiftinggears.com. Yeah, I do have a new website for that. So, uh, See, we start out here. Scientists have developed tiny robots made of human cells that are able to repair damaged neural tissue. Uh, the anth- anthrobots were made using human tracheal cells, and might in the future be used in personalized medicine. Uh, The research points away to Tissue Engineering 2.0 that synthetically controls a range of developmental processes, says Alex Hughes, a bioengineer at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. Developmental biologist Michael Levine or Levin, at Tufts University in Medford, Massachusetts, and his colleagues had previously developed tiny robots using clumps of embryonic frog cells. But from the medical applications of these xenobots, we're limited. Uh, Sorry, doing a cold read here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the xenobots were limited because they weren't derived from human cells and because they had to be manually carved into the desired shape. The researchers now have a developed self-assembling have now developed self-assembling anthrobots and are investigating their therapeutic potential using human tissue grown in a laboratory. They published their findings in Advanced Science. Uh, Levine and his team grew spheroids of human tracheal cells, which I think that's something to do with the throat, uh, in a gel for two weeks uh, before removing clusters and growing them for one week in a less viscous solution. This caused tiny hairs on the cells, called cilia, to move to the outside of the spheroids instead of the inside. These cilia acted as ores, and the researchers found the resulting anthrobots, each containing a few hundred cells, often swam in one of several patterns. 
Some swam in straight lines, the others swam in circles, and some moved chaotically. Kind of sounds like human beings. Uh, to test the, anthrobo- uh, the anthrobot's therapeutic potential, uh, Levine and his colleagues placed several into a small dish. There, the anthrobots fused together to form a superbot, <laughs> uh, which the researchers placed in a layer of neural tissue that had been scratched. Uh, within three days, the sheet, of neur- uh, the sheet of neurons had completely healed under the superbot. This was surprising, says uh, study co-author Gizem Gumuskaya. Gizem Gumuskaya. That's probably about the closest. Uh, Developmental biologist also at Tufts because the anthrobot cells were able to perform this repair uh, function without requiring any genetic modification. It's not obvious that that you're going to get that kind of response, she says. Uh, going forward, uh, Levin, uh, Gumuskaya, and their colleagues think that anthrobots made from a person's own tissues could be used to clear arteries, break up mucus, and or deliver drugs or without, with or without genetic engineering. Uh, by combining several cell types and exploring other stimuli, it also might be able to it might be also be possible to develop biobots. Robots made from biological material with potential applications in sustainable construction and outer space exploration. Once we understand what cell collectives are willing to do, then we can begin. Uh, lost my place here. Then we can begin to control that, not just for standalone bots, but for regenerative medicine, says Levin, uh, including to regrow limbs. And that uh, sounds like a. a, a it sounds interesting. I mean, I it, it kind of smacks of stem cell uh, stem cell technology, which is a really hot, a real hot button topic. You know, science versus religion and such. Um, you know, if you create a body part, does it have a soul and or a spirit? And it's uh, it, it's a it's a it's a hot button talk uh, topic. But uh, I don't know whether this will fall under that uh under that same kind of scrutiny or not but it would be interesting yeah because i myself i'm i'm diabetic and um you know i've i've got a lot of damage to uh uh to my uh, pancreas uh because of you know uh diabetes and such and it would be interesting to see whether or not they could uh get these to uh to to you know, come together and well, I, I now that I sit and think about it, yeah, I I don't know whether or not it would actually work. You know, it it I think it depends on uh, what they consider the repair to be. I mean, if if there's damaged tissue, um, does that uh, do these little bots remove the damaged tissue and uh, attempt to force new tissue to grow, uh, or is it? Um, you know, there's no way to really know uh, what their um, what the intent here is, or what the what the repair path is. Um, you know, they just say that you know, it it healed some neural tissue, which neural tissue is basically I think it's a uh, your brain, and I don't think your brain regenerates. Um, so I don't know whether it's, you know, just physically repairing damage. If, if it's repairing damage, what material is it using to repair? Is it repairing or is it replacing? 
Um, but if they can develop that and, and get it to the point where uh, you could get, um, you know, get healed, you know, if you tear a ligament or if you get, uh, you know, you uh, break an arm or something like that, get in there and heal the bone, you know, in, in six weeks in, instead of six months. Yeah, you know, they, that would be that would be rather interesting. Um, I know a lot of people will turn around and say, "Well, yeah, I said more science, more science, and don't trust the science." And yeah, I'm 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 with you on that. If they can keep this fun, if if they can keep this programming pure and not have an issue with um, trying to figure out how to you know excessively and extremely monetize it or create and misrepresent it to be a completed product when it's actually not a completed product and it hasn't gone through testing. If they can get through that, then I could see it. But the way the medical community is right now, or the, the, the research communities, there's too many people that are pursuing money. And I, I think that that would be more of an issue. This might be one of those things, you know, where they're just going out and making a claim and, you know, in the hopes of getting uh, more researching and more grants and more funding and whatnot. But I don't know. I'm not that advanced to be able to figure that stuff out. That's for smarter people like me. So, but it would be very cool. So anyway, well, let's, uh, uh, I want to take uh, take the time here. Um, I uh, have moved. Uh, uh, as a, a lot of you know, uh, I do have another uh, podcast, uh, a music podcast called uh, Rolling On, and uh, that uh, was hosted over at uh, Blueberry for uh, a couple of months when I first started it, and I have since moved uh, that over to uh, RSS Blue, and um, Dovidas is. Uh, running um, RSS Blue over there, and he's just a, a fantastic guy. I had some problems when I was moving my um, uh, podcast over from this Blueberry site over to there, and it uh, he, he, he went above and beyond to help me to get everything um, up, and, up and running, and uh, he worked with... Um, uh, podcast index and got uh, the RSS feeds. My uh, my RSS feed uh, that I had on Blueberry got nuked by accident in the move, and uh, so we had to make a make a new one. And um, he did a he did a lot of work. We worked on that for probably a couple of days because it's we had a bit of miscommunication there. I, I thought uh, that uh, some of the stuff had been uh, taken care of, and I ended up deleting my files and. Uh, when he was in the middle of uh, setting up the RSS, he's like, "Hey, where'd everything go?" I was like, "Oh, oops." <laughs> so, but uh, I I do got that all up and running, and um, so uh, if you were interested in listening to some music, uh, you can go over to a Rolling On uh, Show at I don't know, that's my Gmail com. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I am still wiped out from being on the road for so long. Uh, you can go on to uh, rollingon.show, and that goes. Uh, that is a redirect directly to the RSS feed for Rolling On, and um, you can plug that into any podcast 2.0 app, or you can stream right straight off of the website. 
um, or you can uh, it'll be supported by uh, you know uh, legacy podcast apps. But um, if you're not using a podcasting 2.0 app, you cannot boost the artists, and you can't boost me. Which boosting the artists is what this is all about. Um, it's a value for value and. Um, this podcast here is also value for value, uh, but I don't, I, there'll be a link there to, if you like Sam mean stuff, um, you can go ahead and, and donate to him. But, uh, this here is, uh, is, is my show. This is, this one's for me. So, um, there will be, there, there are links uh, that you can, uh, donate to. If you found some value here, you can just go ahead and drop a few sats in there or something. I don't know, but, uh, that's up to you. Um, so we're going to move on to our next story here. Uh, $140,000 mini homes, which is, uh, this, is it, <laughs> this came from uh, Not the Bee, uh, which is uh, the, uh, I can't remember the, the name. There's, it's, it's their non-satire site uh, of, of, uh, of uh, another website and I cannot think of the name of it but anyway we're going to read uh, read this here so just for under $140,000 you could own one of these 661 square foot tiny homes and uh, it, the story goes on bro it starts out saying bro they actually have a little pod community in San Antonio and I'm not joking when they say these 661 square foot tiny homes are going for $137,000. 661 square feet for nearly $140,000. This is what Bidenomics looks like, folks. Um, yeah, I, they, there's a, on, on, the, uh, on the website, or on their website, and I will post a link to this over at uh, rollingon.show, and uh, there's a, looks like a, an, an X link, or formerly Twitter or whatever, they do a, a small tour of that, and it, I, I could actually see myself living in that because um, my apartment here, I think, is, I, well, I don't think it's much more than probably 800 square feet, so it wouldn't be that much of a difference. So, and the story goes on. Uh, imagine living in that house, like 661 square feet. You might just might as well live in a tiny apartment. Hey, I am. <laughs> Your mortgage payment would be around $1,000 a month, again, for 661 square feet. Sorry, just can't get over that number. Yeah, that's a lot of money for, for a small, for, uh, like you said, basically a small apartment. Um, that's, no, that, that's too much money. I mean, of course, if you come in with a, with a bigger down payment, you know, if you come in with a, you know, 40% down payment or, you know, 30% down payment rather than the standard 10 or 15, then I'm sure you could knock your payments down, but I don't know. And the story continues on, uh, and imagine living in that community. This is what the World Economic Forum would like. I'm assuming that nobody in the, that neighborhood is going to host a party, but think about the parking on the street if just a few of the neighbors had people over. It would be a nightmare. By WEF standards, there will be no cars in this hypothetical future, so I guess no need to worry. <laughs> the future is coming. It's really coming. <laughs> I will say this. The, the realtor is one of my favorite people in the world right now. His enthusiasm is through the roof, or at least what there is for a roof in that home. 
And when I texted him for the square footage, he responded within 10 seconds. So if I ever make the move to Texas, I know who to call. Definitely not going to go with a tiny home, though. So, yeah, the uh, like I said, the uh, the link to the X account or to Twitter has a has a uh, uh, has a video walkthrough. It, it's not a bad it's not a bad looking situation. You know, it, it's it's reminded down here in Oklahoma. We and I'm sure in, in other places in the country we, we have things uh, homes called shotgun shacks. And what a shotgun shack is, it's basically like a mobile home without the wheels. Although they were built before mobile homes, you know, were um, were a thing. Basically, you you walk in the front door, you walk into the living room, and then that, it leads into a kitchen, and then that leads into a bathroom, and then that leads, you know, door there leads into the bedroom. So it's uh, it's basically you know one long building, and it's got everything you know, just bit bit bit, you know, one right after the other. You know, there's no side rooms. There's no upstairs. There's, you know, you might have a little bit of a, a attic space or something if you got a peaked roof or whatever. But it, this is the same idea. Although looking at this, uh, uh, looking at the the pictures here, there is a second story on them. Which, uh, if you if you look at it, it says it's for, you know for a one bedroom home. But if you wanted to, you could easily turn that into a, a two bedroom home. But once again, it's it's very very tiny. So it it it'd be good for uh, you know a single person or maybe per, perhaps for a retired couple. Um, I don't see young folks you know trying to start a family trying to do that. So, but uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was an article that was off the not to be. I, I just I know I'd, I'm not really talking too much about it, but you know, or not talking about it, but uh, not really touching on what the intent here is but i just i just thought you know thought the the idea was kind of neat you know i'd always had an idea or an imagination if i ever got some money um to to build one of these uh, metal container homes where you just take a basic shipping container you know that's something like nine and a half or ten feet wide and uh you know 45 or 48 feet long cut some windows into it you know, and, and run some electrical and, and some uh, water and, you know, set it on a piece of property and set it up. You know, there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, uh, hunters that do that, they make cabins out in the woods uh, on that side, on that kind of thing. So it, it's a thing. Just, you know, look up uh, container homes on YouTube if you ever get a chance to go run around and play around on YouTube. So I I, I do that every now and again. But um, yeah, we got... Uh, what we got? We got one more story. Uh, I wasn't really going to do this one, but we're going to. We'll, actually, there's two stories here. Two in them. Well, no, I'll just do. I'll just do the one. Uh, well, this one is another one uh, like my last door, uh, last uh, podcast. You know, nature is not your playground. <laughs> this comes off the New York Post, and it's a uh, Utah man is gored and seriously injured by bison he tried to pet. Admits he's definitely an idiot in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I uh, said so a Utah man was brutally gored by a bison last month when he went to went to pet it in an idiotic move. He realized that left him with a lacerated liver and an eight inch gash. Uh Holan Carbajal was severely injured during the stunning attack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> stunning attack, yeah. 
Uh, although he admitted he was an idiot in the scenario for approaching the bison on his way home from an early Thanksgiving with his girlfriend, uh, he noticed the herd of bison on the neighbor's property and went to get a closer look. Uh, I was definitely an idiot in this scenario. I crossed the fence. I started walking back near the fence. Uh, Carbajal explained to KUTV. By the time I got to the fence, he had followed me all the way over, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I kind of did want to pet him, so I was just being naive about the whole thing. So, yeah, <laughs> and he just rocked me. <laughs> He described to the station how the animal dipped his head uh, right down before the horn punctured him and flipped him over. He quickly escaped despite being uh, badly hurt. Carbajal uh, suffered an 8-inch gash to the stomach, a broken rib, a lacerated liver, and a banged-up lung, according to a GoFundMe page created to help with his medical bills. He was airlifted to the ICU where he spent several days in the hospital and is now home recovering. Uh, Helen is one of the most... Uh, as one of the best and most selfless people I know, the fundraiser states. I wonder who wrote that. Uh, he is just kind of finishing working, or no, he just finished working a season with Utah Conservation Corps, and he relies on his physical health for the work you know, for the kind of work he does. A spokesman for the Utah Department of Wildlife Resources, Faith Hilton Jolly, is. Told KUTV that because bison look like cows, there is a common misconception that they're domesticated or friendly when they are in fact wild animals, and can be aggressive. It was for sure a reality check, or recognizing my naivete and thinking it would be fine to try to touch one, and just realizing that you got more than a reverence for big crazy beasts like that. Carbajal told the station so. Yeah, it's kind of like the otters. Uh, you, you, when you are out in the wilderness, even if you're in a you know a remote area, or in a in not a not a remote area, but you know some place where there are people around, you know if you see something that you know is not uh, domesticated, leave it alone. <laughs> it's just, it, it, I I I don't understand how we as uh, well, I, I, I shouldn't say. I was going to say I, I don't understand how we can become that you know idiotic. But in, a, living in civilized areas and not having any uh, any exposure to real wilderness, I can see where there would be a problem. You know, where the the, the possibility of a misunderstanding and somebody not understanding uh, how. Uh, how wild animals truly react because you know the the only when you're living in a city and everybody's living on top of each other and there's no wild animals around everything you know except for the occasional feral kitty cat or rats you know you don't you don't have any conception of what the damage that they can do you know like like the story said you know it looks like a cow and well you know cows I, I I wouldn't even really say that you know domesticated cows you know they 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 don't like strangers you know I I grew up in, in uh, not too far from a, a couple of farms um, up in uh, upstate near central New York and 
I used to go walking around and uh, go ask the uh, the farmers if I could go on their property and look at the cows and they're saying, eh, "It's you can, but you know, don't get too close to them because you know they don't know you. You're you're a stranger to them. So even though you know they're they're domesticated, you know, I can walk right up to them. But if you go up to them, they'll they'll uh, they'll get kind of angry with you, and you know, especially if they've got you know calves there that they're protecting and whatnot. So. You do got to be careful. It just, it, it really does. So, but uh, anyway, I've been going on for a bit here. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, I think that's pretty much about it. Uh, we got to go back to work on uh, this coming Saturday, or Sunday. And then, like I said, I'm going up to Virginia. And then from there, I guarantee they'll have me running up to the Northwest. So. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, like I said before, this is a value for value podcast. And, um, if you found any value here, uh, you can go to my website and uh, drop some sats. Or if you got a podcasting 2.0, uh, uh, app, you can, uh, directly donate to me here. So, um, and I do have another podcast. Of course, I spoke about that earlier as well. Um, uh, rolling on dot show. And that is also uh, value for value. So um, I do want to take a time, a little bit of time here to uh, thank somebody who's been uh, instrumental in um, inspiring me, even though we haven't really directly talked about it. Um, I, I, I have to bl- uh, plug Darren O'Neill um, and uh, uh, all, the, uh, all the shows that he's got. He's got, it seems like he's got about 10,000 of them, but no, I think he's only got four. Four, three or four so um yeah he's got uh, random thoughts uh, spelled r-a-n-d-u-m-b and um my favorite show is uh planet rage uh planet rage dot show um that's with him and uh, larry blydner and uh, uh and he's got uh the occasional show that he does with uh sir ryan bemrose and uh, that's grumpy old ben's and um that's that that, until they went on hiatus that was my favorite show i mean i i for whatever reason i just i really enjoyed that show but uh sir ryan uh got uh had to go uh get a job and uh join the rest of us working slaves he couldn't uh he couldn't take the time to uh hang out and podcast whenever he wants like darren does so (laughs) i wish i could get to that point but uh Anyway, and then uh, Darren's also got uh, Unrelenting with uh, Gene Neftuliev, and um, that's a that's a fairly interesting show. They just get together and they bullshit about nothing, essentially spaceship and spaceships and technology. So, but uh, if you uh, if if you look for stuff, if you want something other than me to listen to, I I definitely recommend looking up Darren O'Neill and um, having. Uh, Go go talk to him, and uh, he does. Uh, he also does uh, the rock and roll pre-show, which is uh, a, a series of uh, live music clips uh, that uh, goes on before uh, Adam Curry and uh, John C. Dvorak and their No Agenda show, which is the the beginning to all of this. You know, uh, everything that we're doing now. You know, Adam Curry is the quote unquote podfather, although I don't think he really likes that term anymore, but. Uh, yeah, so he's uh, he's the one who essentially created podcasting, and 
and without him, there wouldn't be anything. And he's got a whole pile of shows going on. Um, he's got, uh, of course, he's got no agenda, and he's got uh, podcasting 2.0. Um, and he does uh, his own music show, um, which is the ultimate showcase for value for value music, and that's called uh, Boostagram Ball. So um, if you if I if you get a little confused the way I explain things about how uh, value for value works, you just go listen to a few of his shows, and you will get an understanding um, of how everything is working. So, but uh, yeah, I think we're gonna hang it up here i uh don't really have so i could play my old play the intro music that i played earlier but yeah i think yeah why not hey that's what music is for you know it's got to be played but uh, if, if you can't play music then there ain't no sense in doing anything even if even if you just turn around and bang your hands together and stomp your feet maybe whistle a little bit but anyway (laughs) we're gonna get out of here i will say good day to everybody and i hope you have enjoyed this this was kind of done a little bit off the cuff i wasn't really prepared for this but uh hopefully uh if i can get things to work out when i'm in the truck um i will be seeing about doing some live recording from the road and see whether or not uh, I can make that uh, feasible. Uh, There's a lot of noise, uh, constantly trucks running and refrigeration units running. I got the electrical problem solved that uh, that I had had one a long time ago. I went and bought a little battery pack, but uh, then everything will run off of that, which will separate it from the truck's electrical system. But anyway, I'm babbling. I'm tired. (laughs) We'll see. Have a good day and uh, drive safe. And winter time is here. Uh, make sure you are prepared. If, if you're running up in the north, keep some food and keep some water. Keep some blankets. Uh, make sure you keep your car gassed up or electrified up if you've got that. So, but that's a discussion for another day. So, Sir Truck Driver saying, have a good day, and we will talk to everybody later. So long. <laughs>